Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast called Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. Um, hey, man, I've been recording an episode almost every week. So excited. Thank you for listening. And guess what? We've got that new shirt up on tpublic.com. Seize the means of the day, you know? Wear that shit around. Make people think. And we've got a really great episode today, this week, this what this pandemic. Um, friend of the show, Nick Francona, is back to discuss uh, two big things. Uh, Cleveland baseball potentially changing their name and baseball being back in general. Uh, we have a great conversation and as it was the last time, it's a long one. So without further ado, I'm going to give you some beautiful ad reads and then just get right into the conversation uh, with Nick Francona, friend of the show right after this. Uh, I'm so excited to have our guest and also you're like our first guest in so long. So I'm excited about this as well. Um, you guys loved him the last time he was on. I'm so glad he was willing to come back on three swings. Please welcome Nick Francona. Nick, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for I'm excited to, to, to talk to you again. Yeah, dude. It's so great to hear your voice and, uh, I've been loving what you've been doing on Twitter. I feel like, I feel like you're really finding your voice on there. Does it feel like that's that's the case for you? It, it is. Um, I have like I have kind of mixed feelings about Twitter. Where, where <laughs> yeah, I actually I, I know a lot of people get get kind of complain about like the toxicity of that, and I and I see I see how I mean you can that's on display for for everyone to see each each and every day. I kind of uh, kind of embrace the the rhetorical combat aspect of it. <laughs> All right. Yep. I can and, feel that. And, willing to engage and think that that's um a lot of times if you if you allow things to to that toxic ideas to kind of fill a vacuum that that they go unopposed and and 
I, 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 I know there's different views on that, but I, I have no problem like sparring with people on there. Yeah. I think, uh, I think where I have mixed feelings about it is, is, uh, I have this kind of view of like, I, I, I feel like I don't like, don't want to feel compelled to weigh in on it. Like if I have opinions, I want to share them. If I don't like, I don't. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I building that muscle is like, I've found, uh, and just for the listeners, like it's appropriate that I have a dumpster backing up right now while we talk about the dumpster fire that is Twitter. But I think that is like the important muscles. Like, do I actually need to engage with this? Is this one important? Cause I think it's easy to feel like once you jump in, it's like, Oh, everything I need to comment on everything, you know? And like, it is uh, a powerful thing to go. You know what? This one's not mine. Somebody else can take care of this, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, I, I really go out of my way on there to, uh, try to kind of not make it an echo chamber. And so you can, I, I, it's not for me, it's not just like the baseball people. It's like, I have like the military community on yeah. there and I, I learn a lot from, from kind of going down some rabbit holes with people that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily engage with. And, and it's, uh, it definitely like I think on, on there's a bright side of it. it can expand your horizons if you're open open about it. Oh, I think absolutely. And I mean, I I I can't remember if, if our friendship was struck up through Twitter, but um, I you know, oftentimes there are things that I read on that thing, and and my first instinct is like, you know, riled up or you know, uh, discomfort, and then if I don't engage and I actually like think about it, it, it does like expand my thinking sometimes, you know, and obviously that doesn't, it's like everything is with a grain of salt and it's like practice, you know, it's all of it. But like, if I, if I'm only, like you said, in the echo chamber and the only thing I'm going on there for is like likes and retweets and stuff, like what is the purpose of this thing? It's just like building me up for like the tiniest thing to take me down. So it's like important, I think to see, sometimes like the first time you were on the show, we were talking about, I mean, we agreed so much, you know, and like on paper, the two of us should not agree, you know, like by, by the accounts of like the internet or whatever. And it's like, no, when you actually come to something, um, with like openness and understanding, you tend to like see from other people's point of view. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, I've gotten better at kind of distinguishing between the, trying to like recognize a little more efficiently, like the people, like there's, there's certain people who are just by definition trolls and, and sure, yeah. not wasting time with on the, and then I, but I do try to like really be earnest about engaging with people, like whether they disagree or not. And, and I, and I, to the degree that that's possible. And, and I've been really trying to be deliberate, like particularly deliberate about that when I've been tweeting about the, uh, the Cleveland name change prospects oh, yes. for a specific reason in that the more, the more uh, you engage with people, I think the, like the arguments on the other side of it just like really aren't, aren't all that compelling <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. They're very, they're, they're very thin, you know? Um, yeah. And it's for anybody that doesn't know you not only uh, served in the Marines, but you are also essentially third generation uh, major league baseball family. Um, and within Cleveland specifically, your grandfather played for Cleveland and your dad is the current manager of Cleveland. Um, and so I think it's interesting, you know, I, I wanted you to come on to talk about two things. And this is the first one, which is the potential Cleveland baseball chain uh, name change um, that 
you know, I, I'm not involved with that team in any sort of professional capacity or, you know, familial capacity at all. However, like the a reason that I've continued to talk about it and hope for the name change to be a possibility is that I have been a fan of it, grew up with it, and it's like been part of my life the whole time, which seems to me to be the 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 most of the argument is that and I understand it. Like I can empathize with it because I grew up with the team, you know, and I can empathize with somebody's um thin argument, which is, but I like it, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like, but I love this thing, you know, and and people who are outside to of it can judge it very easily and say, well, it's very clear that this is bad and you're bad and da da da. And like I also understand that point of view. However, I know that that doesn't really help change somebody's mind, especially when something is like near and dear to their heart, like a baseball team. And, you know? and what you just described is that is I think like accurate. And I think the, I, I, I do think the fans are being for the most part, like very earnest when they say like they're, they're not, they don't have an affinity for the logo with mm-hmm. any malicious intent and they don't associate it with different, like various negative connotations. And especially like kind of in that, in that bubble around the stadium and in the broader Northeast Ohio area, it, it means to them baseball and that specific baseball team and maybe some nostalgic memories for them. But I think what, what holding that view requires is, is really like, as soon as you start to consider that there's another side of the ledger here, absolutely. Then, yeah. Then you're, it, it, it becomes a pretty thin, argument to say the least. And I think, uh, unfortunately, that's exactly why this, uh, this issue has perpetuated for as long as it has, just because it's, it's, it's easy to silence that side of the ledger. Like, I don't think it's, uh, you've, we've heard, a, a, I mean, it's incredible to me that, that the arguments that are still advanced these days are, are even taken seriously about this, but we mm-hmm. had, just the other day, people tweeting, I mean, first and foremost among them, the president of the United States, <laughs> right. tweeting about how these are done to honor people. Never yes. mind the fact that like five, within five hours, the official White House account was celebrating Manifest Destiny. Right. And it's, it's just like, how, like these things are, are, are not like coherent together. No. And, and <laughs> I think people should just really ask themselves, like, like, do you really think it's a coincidence that the group that we like so thoroughly lavish with all of these like quote honors are happen to be like one of the most, if not the most marginalized groups, like across the entire land. Right. And that's not an accident. And I think it's not an accident and it's purely by design. And I think what, what the idea, one of the things that I've like tried to push back a lot on with people is this idea that, that the fact that we associate that with a baseball team or with, with other sports teams or, and this members of your, your family really is, is a result of the issue being, it's not because it's not a problem. It's a, it's a result of the issue being so acute that mm-hmm. there really hasn't been another side of it, that it's not even, it hasn't generated right. controversy, not because it's a, not a problem, but because it's, it's, the problem is like so dominant. Right. The pro- It's so, do- like I used to have 
a joke about like how people would respond. And this is still like a constant refrain from fans is like, well, I don't know any Native American people, or I prefer to say, I don't know any Native people who have a problem with it. Well, that's the problem. Like it's, it's like realizing that you don't walk around in Northeastern Ohio. So you are surrounded by, you know, the names of the tribes that used to live there in street names and like the parks that you play in, but you don't see those people because they've been moved off, you know? And then you erected this, um, cartoonish and ghoulish idea and named your baseball team after them. And you haven't even had like a native player on that team in what, 70 years, 60 years. Um, it's just, it falls apart, but it, but it's, it's, it's the, the nostalgia takes over and people feel like something is being taken from them. And then the irony there is that we took everything from the people that we're now, you know, like that we named these things after. Um, well, and there's some serious gaslighting that's been going on with the, uh, and this is disappointing and how kind of what, like I'm surprised of how kind of widespread it, it is. And once, once it gets out there, it gets repeated a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think it's, that's like one of the advantages that, that large, kind of corporations like like major league baseball teams and get when they 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 sort of can get these narratives out in the media of how something was done to like inspired by a native american player or mm-hmm. honored by like we, we were desi- this was designed to honor them and everything and it's like guys like you're just gaslighting people it's at that just point. a lie yeah it's like not this is not it's just not true and like let's like like let's like for the sake of argument assume that's true like like what's the result of this honor? Right. Like, like, like how has that worked out? Yeah. And how, how many native or indigenous people have come to thank you for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, like how many, I don't see, and, and, you know, I see people who could potentially, cause these are not people that I'm engaging with that do wear those things. And it's not, it's not my place to say, Hey, don't wear that as like a white person. But I've also seen the opposite, which is these things overall, these mascots, these like, names uh you know using tribal names or using indigenous names it overall and i think i saw you tweet like um scientific data and studies that it has an overall negative effect psychologically on people and that's yeah. just like an irrefutable concept you know it's and, and irrefutable fact. Like the lack, you've seen the teams like like related to the to the kind of gaslighting with the the origin myths of these names they'll yeah they'll kind of latch on to the fact of, oh, this poll showed this. And it's like, well, like when you dig into it and, and people have like ac- actually refuted that of, of like, you, you can't do that. Or, or the baseball Cleveland, what they've latched onto is getting, it's like we pulled our fans and it's like, okay, like, like, like that's yeah. fascinating, didn't, but like, who cares? Didn't they used to do that like every year for the season ticket holders? And it was like, I, I remember the phrasing being so skewed towards mm-hmm. yes. You know, it was like, is the, you know, the chief and the, the, you know, whatever the name, like an integral part of your progressive field experience. And it's like, yeah, of course the answer is yes to that. You know, like these are people who are spending thousands of dollars to come to this place you know like of course they're gonna say yeah i love this thing i'll send you a link so you can share this with with the listeners there's an amazing video of uh this this woman her name's caitlin bennett she was she's the she's the kent state gun girl right that pooped her pants once and she (laughs) she is go i love this because she's going at she's outside of progressive field 
and is talking to uh, talking to fans and and isn't quite coherent enough to do like real interviews. Of but course, she's yeah. she's talking to them about she's the She's way uh, beyond her depth, you know. The Chihuahua <laughs> logo and she's sitting there talking with a a woman who who explained to her how she's actually happy to see the logo go because she's native Native American finds it offensive. And the and and Caitlin Bennett is explaining to her, well like like even though it's been here for a long time, like <laughs> like I'm sorry we hurt your feelings. And that kind of stuff. And oh it's just like God. wow, like the the level of self awareness here is pretty appalling. I and bet she's not even a Cleveland fan either. It's, you know what I mean? Like yeah, she's probably I mean, not even like, sorry, we hurt your feelings is we, as in like white people who like racial things. <laughs> you know, It's just like this idea of like, that's, it's like, that's the, the hill you want to die on for people. It's like, and that's where it comes like came, came down to for me on it is like growing up. Like I, I, I like some of my favorite family photos have the, are, are in, with my grandpa or dad in in Indians uniforms and with the Chief Wahoo logo and yeah, it's like I never at the time like as a kid growing up you, like it was no different to me than the New York Yankees or right or the Texas Rangers or Boston Red Sox. It was just that it was a baseball team. That was it. And then, but I think like it is it, once you hear people sitting there talking about look, like this is a problem for, for my people in my community. And this is why you, you can't take that back. You either, you just have to either ignore it and, and like choose, like choose to lack empathy and going forward or like, and once I kind of reached that point of hearing that and, and dug into, dug into a little more and kind of did my homework. And I was just like, my, like my memories aren't like erased as a result of, of them, changing the name or logo and and it frankly seems kind of petty compared to the the like real issues that that are facing these communities and i think what the one of the things that you see the teams try to do a lot is they'll trot out they'll kind of latch on to um people that have have uh they'll say well this like somebody on twitter might say like I, i'm native american and i'm not offended by it and then the teams are the teams will like oh, survey they love that one they find yeah. somebody uh Paul Dolan had talked about how he famously, like it was probably like 15 years ago now where he said, Oh, I go around when I go around to talk to and talk to people, mostly at Indian casinos. I don't like (laughs) many people bothered by this. And it's like, like one, like, 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 okay. Like not a monolithic group, like every other group of human beings. Absolutely. But like, like there is a reason that these people have protested at your stadium every year for a very long time. A very and long time. You are just choosing, like you can like sit there and pretend it's not real or like you can, you can engage with them. But the one thing that they've never done. And I, I think this is like the central issue that I really want to harp on with like this discussion going forward as this, as like the, the teams kind of make their decisions is that, it's not an, in, in my opinion, the worst outcome here, uh, um, or one of the worst outcomes is is really just like quietly doing away with it and yeah. fostering resentment towards the the people that that asked for the change and and kind of making it seem like this is this is uh, really like the same way they handled the the Chief Wahoo controversy of of being like they if you look at the language that they used it was very. It, it was eerie in how similar it was to the people defending the 
the Confederate flag and, and uh-huh. Confederate monuments. And it, it's, it sounds like hyperbole to say that, but it really is incredibly similar where you get the both sides kind of thing. And, yeah. Oh, it doesn't just mean this and the heritage, not hate. Right. And what that did was it, it shifted a lot of the anger towards the, the people who it, it stirred up the fan base and kind of brought out the worst tendencies of it. Mm-hmm. And you get this kind of revanchism of, of people. There's a lot of, just vitriolic sentiment that's just just launched at, at people who who are sitting there like in a dignified way just asking to be like treated with respect right and the teams then kind of puts them themselves in this position where they're they're powerless to stop that because like doing so would expose the central hypocrisy here of yeah, we know it's it a problem. Wrong. We know it's yeah. too racist for us to wear on the field, but we really like making money off of this. Yeah. So yeah. we can't really say anything when you come to a game dressed in red face. Right. And like, we'll leave it up to the broadcast companies to like, you know, not not show those things. And like, I, it, I, I agree with you that it's sort of like, it's almost like there's these two sides of it, which is like, the the vitriolic sort of fan base that is like really into it and doesn't want to lose it and then the other side is actually like often they believe that it's just like woke white people who want these changes you know like that's my point is the team fosters that view though yeah as though there's not the reality is not that that is a human being that we've dehumanized over um a century to become a logo. And I like, I personally, cause many people will, you know, uh, many people being people on the internet, cause it's not real people that I talk that bring these things up, but they're like, Oh, so what do you want to get rid of the Yankees or like the fighting Irish? And I'm like, potentially, honestly, I mean, Yankee is not, does not mean a white person. It means a regional person, <laughs> you know, but something like, uh, you know, Irish also doesn't mean white person. However, I think that, um, using human mascots overall is dehumanizing and it's just not a great idea. And personally, I'd like to start with the worst ones being, you know, the indigenous population of this country, given the history of this country. And like, they do foster this idea as though like it's only white people who are trying to get cookies by like doing this. And like, I'm a white person who's talking about this because I think it's the right thing to do. And I have a platform and I have like, um, personal experience and like, tie to it and i think it's important to to be somebody that's like no it's not about like me and like i think it was important when you said you know you have this you you have a a a history with the team that's specific to you and personal and like under having that new understanding of like oh this is like the right thing to do to stop dehumanizing other people and to foster empathy and understanding and like moving towards like a a bigger future, you know, like it doesn't negate or like your, your memories don't go away, you know, and you don't look at those photos and like, go like, Oh my God, this is awful. Like you maybe do for like a little while and then building that empathy for somebody else. You can have empathy for that and, and still have those memories, you know? This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. 
loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I, I think there needs to be some some tangible, concrete steps. And the, the way I would do it is I would actually like invite, like you, you need to have a public tra- conversation with, with some transparency and, mm-hmm. and kind of lend you've had the platform to, to diminish people for the better part of a century, like use that platform and, and, and share that. And, and it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to swallow your pride. You're like, you're mm-hmm. going to have to admit some wrongdoing, like share your platform with some of the people that have been, been critical of you for this. and, and like educate your fans. Like everyone's going to be better off for that. Lastly, like you either need to like, this is related to that point because you can't do it if you're not willing to like admit some fault is we're not profiting off of the chief Wahoo logo anymore. And Mm -hmm. we're putting that in the past. Like, like you're done lying about it. Like they, they made the excuse of like, we're going to continue to sell this because we need to own the trademark and not lose control of the, of the IP. Well, like that doesn't really explain like why I can go buy a baby onesie or a toddler <laughs> yeah. or grilling accessories with it. Like, like the hypocrisy there is like, you, you know, it's racist. You want to profit off of it. You just don't want to admit profiting off of it. And so like, okay, like if that's the case, then like, we're going to have to like hold your feet to the fire a little more. A hundred percent. And that like, if it were me, I would transfer ownership of it to, a like either like one of the nonprofit like not your mascots or one of the nonprofit groups that that have been been uh, on this issue for a while or or the anti defamation league or or some some whatever the right NAACP SL uh, SPLC like whatever groups there are that are the is the right one for this that can that is willing to take that on and actually like take ownership up of it and and enforce the non proliferation of the logo like figure it out and like actually like put your money where your mouth is and show that like, I'm not just lying. Right. I'm not just, I, I think too, that's been a lot of uh, within essentially every aspect of every institution that we're looking at now with such, you know, we have magnifying glasses because we're not going anywhere and we mm-hmm. have all this time to just like literally focus on these things is like, you know, something that I've been able to hone as a, as just a, a person is like, Oh, you're just saying what you think I want to hear, you know, like you're just saying words that you think are like powerful or that are going to get you what you want because I'm going to fall for it, you know? And it's like, no, we need to all be way more critical thinkers of like, 
especially, I have found, especially of the things that I feel like, oh, I agree with that. You know, mm-hmm. especially like people who are saying like, oh yeah, LGBTQ, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, 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 Black Lives Matter, but they have no idea what it actually means. Mm-hmm. That it that it's an organization, that it's run by actual human beings, that they have guiding principles. You know, like mm-hmm. that you have to take the extra step, just like you were saying with um, the empathy for like, who who is this logo affecting that isn't your fans? Uh, like you have to take the extra step of like, who's funding this thing? Whose money is that? What company mm-hmm. is this? Is it a company? Like, are these actual people? Where are they located? You know, like all of that. And it doesn't take that long, you know, but it's just practicing slowing down and going like, wait, who's telling me, you know, they're a sheriff and they're progressive. Wait a minute. They're running a jail and a prison and they're smashing cameras like this. I don't think you're progressive. I think you're just saying that. And it means nothing to you. Because it means something to me. Yeah, you know? was, like to, to your example, the the I mean, I'd go even further in the one some of the a lot. I mean, this was a fairly common sentiment, like online recently was people like again like what you you talked about of like people thinking this was a change pushed by like like the outrage mob coming from the right. left and and saying, well, what about like what about the spiders in in reference to like a potential new name like. What about when the spiders get offended? And it's like, great, let's talk That's... about that. Because <laughs> like you have just compared a group of like human beings to a goddamn arachnid. Right. Yeah. Is that it's... like really where like where you want to have this conversation? Right. And they don't it's just so wild to me that they don't either there's it's they're so detached from from what's actually from what they're actually t- and and that's it. They're detached from the human being that is on the other side of that word and on the other side of that logo. You and know, I think that's because- why the teams have have like what's like so disappointing about this in on a personal level is like the idea that that they like they've always talked about engaging like I, I saw the brave statement and it was just like the most like empty corporate gobbling yeah. ever. And they like to, oh we meaningfully engage. It's like like what you're like actually not doing is sit down with somebody across the table, look them in the eye and and like tell them that like, yeah, you know what? Like I don't have the courage to tell my fans to not do the tomahawk job because like, I don't want to alienate them and alienate them. Like with that, what I mean by that is that translates into money for me. So I just lack the moral courage to do that. That's what you actually mean. Absolutely. And I mean, it like, it's so, uh, irony is not the word, but like the fact that you were talking about, uh, it's Peter Dolan, right? Not Paul Dolan. Paul Dolan. Paul, Paul Dolan. Dolan is the, yeah. Peter Dolan was in the monkeys. Um, <laughs> but he goes to a casino. Like what, what more of a like, and, and also I would argue that like, and, and we'll get into this more in the second half of the conversation, but like professional sports has just become a casino. Like what, what is a more like accurate depiction of just like capitalism at its most like dire and ghoulish than a casino just a casino not a specific casino but a casino because it's like it's all just coming down to money they don't want to lose the money but they're also unwilling to look at the fact that like an, an upgrade or a change in uniforms and names like brings in a whole host of new fans or fans that were not like into it or fans that were like believing like, Hey, this is just like gross and bad. Like it's, it's being unwilling. It's, it's looking at heritage 
and not realizing that like hate is keeping you from a bigger audience. And like, that's not the most important thing right now to me. Like the reason why name changes and these discussions, which to be totally honest, Nick, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. I thought they were going to hide behind Washington and be like, well, we're not as bad as that. So we're good to go. Well, that like, was actually a specific conversation that, that <laughs> like has come up recently. And I, I mean, when I was kind of communicating this with the, I, I shared my opinion on it with some, yeah. some folks. Yeah, because you were very instrument. I mean, you were emailing me. You're very instrumental behind the scenes in in these conversations. And I don't think there were, to be clear, like this was not a necessarily. I wouldn't describe it as a collaborative thing. Like I, this is more <laughs> sure. like me trying to force forcefully share my opinions on it. <laughs> yeah. that, um, and I said that, like, look, like if you're like, it, it really seems like if you zoom out here, that like the approach is to is to like tack behind and be like slightly less of a, like a jerk off than, than Daniel Snyder. Right. And that's a really bad way to go through life. And like more than that, I said, just like zoom out. Like it's, I was like, it's really easy for you, you guys to kind of get in this bubble in, in baseball and, and not pay attention to what, what's kind of going around on the rest of the world. And, and I was so, I was really taken aback by the the statement that the team released after like in response to George Floyd and, and was like, I don't want to, I was just like, guys, like, like I, I picture what happened here is you had like seven lawyers and four like PR <laughs> right. sitting in a room being like, how can we like, how can we like try to sound authentic without like mentioning the elephant in the room? And mm-hmm. I was like, and, and the results are obvious. And I said, it's, it's really disappointing because like, like you had a chance to, to kind of get this right. And, and just from a, like a, business strategy like you you've you've been wrong for for decades and you could have undone that in in one fell swoop and like really been like like you could have earned the admiration of a lot of people that would have transcended sports and and attracted a lot of new fans and their the kind of responses initially were i mean even like i don't think my dad was was all that attuned to, to the fact that a lot of people were were necessarily even complaining about the name and they they and i think that speaks to the fact of like he wasn't trying to be malicious but and and a lot of this was i don't think he spent all that much time really even thinking about the issue from the sense in in the sense that he it, it was one of those things where it's oh it's it's not my lane or like right yeah I? it's i i don't own the team it's not my not my position to do that and mm-hmm. and i finally like said i said like when you like so this is going to sound like a dramatic example, but like zoom out and think about this like 50 years from now. And like, like look about like when we look back and look at like World War II pictures and you see somebody with a, with a, uh, a member of the Third Reich with a swastika on their uniform. I said, you don't like really distinguish between like, eh, that guy was middle management. He probably just went <laughs> sure. with flow and right. he, he wasn't like actively making decisions. You're like, nope, that guy's a Nazi. And I said, like 50 years from now, people are going to look at your baseball cards and they're going to cringe. And I said, that's like a certainty. I was like, this is changing. Like history has gone in one direction. Like it might be a week from now. It might be a year from now. It might be 40 years from now, but like that's happening. And like, if, if you, and like how you get there really matters because if you're, if you're doing it, like dragging, getting like, like dragged into it, kicking and screaming and fighting it. Like, like why, what, what is there to be gained from that? Like right. just selfishly and just it's morally bankrupt. Truly. And it's a smaller number of people than you think, you know, that are like so into it. And so like, 
I just think, I, I mean, I just watched it happen on social media, like many conversations about it. And, and also, I mean, I think I just want to point out too, that like, I think this is important. I have a personal connection to this change and this like move in this direction. So it's important to me. And I think it's important. I don't think it's, you know, more important than other things that we're fighting for. I guess I just also think it's all important, you know, like, um, the other side or whatever, for lack of a better term is like trying to make this whole movement about tearing down Confederate monuments or changing this or it's like, that's not the whole thing. You know, it's like, like you said, it's, it's, it's moving in, it's moving in a new direction and you can't change your dad's, uh, you know, baseball cards, but like, Jim Tomey can choose to not have that logo in the hall of fame. And then there can be an understanding and a growth towards like, Oh, okay. That's a thing that existed. And we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's also shocking to me, like to, to speak to the, like George Floyd comments. Like I remember reading that and it's not even in my mind. They were so like spongy, you know, um, that, that like Cleveland is the team of Larry Doby. And they could be putting their their emphasis and their money behind that. And they could be, you know, like they could be bringing up the importance of these things, like the history of their team, as opposed to like just the history of the name and the logo. And like it, it just it just fascinates me that that like people are unwilling to see. And I, I dislike looking at things only from like a capitalist profit thing. But that's like what this country runs on. And like the fact that there is, you are only asking people the questions you want to hear as opposed to the belief that people would be really excited. Like uh, mm -hmm. people were asking me like, what do you think the name should be? And what do you, and like, I mean, I've gamed out this scenario for five years, basically <laughs> like with people. And I'm just like, these are my picks. You can't do Cleveland rocks because you already have the Cleveland Rockies. So that's not going to happen, you know, <laughs> like, but I have like friends asking me like, oh man, I can't wait to, to, to see what like the new merch is and stuff. And it's like, those are the people that you want to focus on because like the other people are going to come around, you know, they're going to come around because they either have baseball or they don't. And, you know? and I, I would go, I, I, I'm like, I, I feel like I might be like the one who's like obstinate on this topic in the sense that like, like I almost like choose to deliberately not engage in like the speculation about the names because I think that tends to bleed into like, like, we will almost like prospectively evaluate this idea of like, like is the Indians like bad or how bad is it relative to like how much we like, like whatever a potential new name is. And I just think it's entirely irrelevant and shouldn't matter oh, sure. whatsoever. Yeah. And, and really like beyond that, it's just this, this, I, I firmly believe that the organization, like in terms of you talk about people coming around that the team has in, in obligation to have that conversation and show the moral leadership. It's like, this is what you've done for so long. Like you've got like the reason people are attached to that is because you chose to ignore people for so long. That is not mm -hmm. an excuse. You've mm -hmm. just, all you've done is become further indebted to the point where you owe it to these people to have it, have that conversation and try to move as many of them out of there and explain it to them so that they're not then like, like the opposite of that is, is, kind of deflecting the the vitriol and the hate towards the people who want the change. And that is just the absolute cowardly way out. 
absolutely. And you've capitalized on that for so long and then you just deflect it. It's like you absolutely have the resources to absorb any, you know, any losses in any of this. I mean, it's also funny to me that we're talking about a team that, you know, within the within the world of baseball has been like well, the Cubs are the lovable losers, but like, I mean, they, they have the like minor league, like can't get it together. And that's like part of their thing. You know, that's like what in contemporary, you know, baseball they're considered to be. And so like, it just, it just, all of it is pretty stunning to me. The unwillingness to like, just look forward as opposed to like, well, this is how it's always been, you know? (laughs) And so like, we're not going to fall prey to this like mob of people who are suddenly mad when it's been consistently that people have been saying this, you know? And, and, and I think the, the one when, whether it's like the, the statues or, or team names or logos, like there, there's like a, a lot of, it, it's not, not just superficial. Um, it's not just like in, inanimate objects, like these things matter. And yeah, they do. And, and it reminds me of a, a quote that you, you, I think the last time I saw it was actually at a, at a, on Memorial day at, at a veterans Memorial in, in downtown Boston here. And it, it's uh, you see this quote from it's a, from JFK and it, it comes up a lot when in the context of uh, it, it's it gender specific. And I think back in the time it was in the context of referring to like a lot of like military memorials. So that's why mm-hmm. probably why I'm assuming why that was the case. And the quotes, a nation reveals itself not only by the men it produces, but also by the men it honors, the men it remembers. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that that does show a lot about your your kind of character and values as a nation. And in that sense, it it has power to influence the present and, and shape the future as well. And I think that's the the kind of thing that we need to like we're not a there's we're not necessarily like erasing history, but we need to be able to distinguish between like acknowledging that like we aren't perfect and haven't been perfect and, and not view these things as, as deities and, and recognize that like to, to, to even just like have that view and pull that van bandaid off a little bit is going Mm -hmm. to shape a better future. There's nothing unpatriotic about it. There's nothing like, like it's, it's okay. That's like, that's that's what we've always like supposedly done in, in our founders we're well aware of the fact that that there, like, it was the project of each generation to to expand the the ideals that that they 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 thought were timeless ideals, but had to be expanded generation after generation to to more and more people across this land. And it's not always linear, but we've done that. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, it like it cannot be linear. You know, <laughs> like that's the thing is like all of this right now. We're in a time of like to me, great expansion, you know? And so these things that, that, that are these things that sometimes people see as superficial, it's like, and why I keep saying, like, imagine what it could be, you know? Um, it's like a willingness to expand your thinking and, and actually dream, you know, like these, Mm -hmm. these phrases have been so sort of like ruined and turned into, you know, like corporate slang or whatever, but it's like, it literally is dreaming like it's dreaming and and expanding and looking and understanding what could be, you know, and that that uh, phrase that you just quoted from the from the memorials, like 
yes, it's not, it actually is that. And it's indicative of where we are, of what we're looking at and tearing down. And it's not erasing <laughs> to talk about the the truth of these people that we, that we have deified and have si- rendered into simply just artifacts of like the country. Like that's actually erasing it to, to erase everything that surrounds George Washington or, you know, Andrew Jackson and to only see them as a person on a dollar bill is like, that's actually erasing it. But it's, it's, it's interest. It's an, a flip of the script to be like, oh, it's erasing it to be like, he held slaves, so get rid of this. But it's like, no, we're just acknowledging that this was true. And like, perhaps taking every single word as like gospel is maybe not a great idea. You know, yeah, like recognizing that like the, the kind of like Disney world textbook version of history that we got <laughs> about like, maybe like, like the pilgrims and Indians having Thanksgiving together and right. all this stuff like was not necessarily like, like, all that like factually accurate and with that when like when certain people look at an artifact of history like guess what not everyone shares that view not everybody and like i mean i did a a fundraiser a covid relief fundraiser that was sponsored by the um uh national congress of american indians mm-hmm. and so i was one of three uh, white comedians on, on it. And then it was all indigenous and native comedians. Um, and like <laughs> something that struck me was like the, how many, how often they joked about um, Custer. And I was like, this is just not like, I hear jokes about that, but it's from a white perspective, you know, because like, because of the white supremacist sort of, you know, all of this is white supremacy, whether, you know, we, we tend to white supremacy has taught us that white supremacy is only the clan, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, we're, we only want to see it there, but it's like, you know, the textbooks that you're talking about and all these monuments are all white supremacist suppression of other cultures and ideas and people. And it was such a like expand, you know, and I consider myself to be a thinking and growing and evolving person. And it's always like, wow, I just am not, you know, I am not in the, this is not, where I live. This is not my, you know, and it was like just a fascinating moment to be like, Oh, right. There are other people, you know, like there are just, there are other people and their experiences are different than mine, you know? And And like, it's every, it's literally every day. Like you don't change the name of the, a major league baseball team. And then you go, well, we're done. It's like, this is one drop in an, in a giant ocean of continually, paddling through you know I, I was talking to a friend the other day about how it, it was like when you compare kind of this this topic and people like it, it it's people kind of use the like stubborn refusal to change as then like a further justification for refusing to change <laughs> sure, um, yeah. and we were talking about this is a, a marine friend and we were talking about how like really like the the pace of change was how quick it happened in the Marine Corps, where when you we look there, what, what it sparked this was there was a, um, I believe it was on Facebook. There was a the Marine Corps had posted a like a a gra- like some graphic digital graphics in support of of Pride Month, mm-hmm. and which is probably like not surprising to many. You saw some some fairly uh, opposing views from uh, like a lot of old Marines and just people on Facebook and the official Marine account, like in response to them, was just going through like 
like kind of demolishing them one by one. And it, it got a lot of attention because like they were, they, they meant it. They didn't just post a picture. Like they were actively engaging with like, like the, the people opposing it and, and kind of put their money where their mouth was on it. It was good to see. And we had, we, we talked about how like how just even a decade ago or kind of, I think when it was 2000, very beginning of 2009 when I was going to officer candidate school, I mean, it was, you would hear homophobic epithets and kind of be called that like, I mean, literally a thousand times a day just because it was, and you didn't associate it with, with, oh, that person like is actually calling me gay. It's just like right. a slur to say you're weak or. Right. It's like yeah. This, so many people, when I, when I would. But what it does assume is that there's no, there's nobody gay that's to your left or right. Right. Exactly. Because it's, it's okay to say. And then, and, and then I also don't mean gay. I mean stupid, <laughs> which is like oh, what people love to say to me. Like, well, I don't mean gay. I mean stupid. I'm like, have you thought about that for a second? Because it means <laughs> now you've said it means both things to you. <laughs> like, so yeah. when am I? When do I know which one it is? You know, let's learn about our synonyms here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then a year from that point, like a year and a half later, it was or no, probably two years. Two, couple years later, I was, while I was in Afghanistan and our deployment was when they, when they had the, the don't ask, don't tell repeal. And that was obviously a pretty significant change. Mm -hmm. And to the, but the Marine Corps tends to be, they, they kind of have a, a history of this where they'll be like pretty kind of dragging their feet about integration and, and kind of expanding things. And they, they really latch on to like the, the traditions and the culture and, and it's it's it, like especially when you compare it to a sports team, it's easy to see why. It's like these things are are paid for in, in blood, and and we're really proud of our history. But then once they get on board with it, and you realize like, look, like like that guy that like you were serving with for the last three years, like happens to be gay, and you just didn't know it because the policy said he couldn't tell you, and right, and like like the world didn't end. He like everything was fine. It's 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 totally okay. Mm -hmm. And once they kind of get like, see that type of thing. And this is a, a pretty common pattern in Marine Corps history of then they'll like, they'll pretty, pretty like ardent, like they'll like internalize these principles and, <laughs> right. and become like ardent supporters. And, and you're just kind of seeing them hit the ground running on that now. And, and that's not to say like the Marine Corps is a perfect organization by any stretch and they've got a lot of work to do and uh, on these issues, but it, it, it is a good example of like, like just like how quickly some things can't can change and oh and yeah that's a good sign and, and i think that's uh i think that's something for like like really like whether you're a member of one of these communities that's directly affected or not like that's something to 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 take pride in as an american of when you like like recent supreme court rulings like that's a good thing like having the fact that like somebody else like like or not somebody else like millions of people are are have like a little more protection in their life and, and are treated a little more equally. And, and the, the, the things that, that we take for granted of uh, kind of the, the hopes and dreams that, that, that when, when we get offended because people don't stand for the anthem, the reasons that like those things mean so much to us or the words in the declaration, the fact that like we're a little closer to, to extending those promises and hopes to, to other Americans is an awesome thing. Yeah, I mean that's to me what the whole thing's about. <laughs> and that's not a, you know? that's not like a, a I don't view that as political. I view that as like this is like that's good. That like that is a fundamentally decent thing and like whether you like 
agree with it or not or know any of them or not, like it doesn't matter. Like this is a good thing. Absolutely. And I think I, I think so many people these days feel as though somebody somebody getting something else or like perceiving it as getting something, it, it means it's removing, you know, like lessening their ability to get something, you know? And like yeah. that is, you know, goes back to the the names. It's like it's pitting people against each other who actually are not if if you set down the burden, if you set down the fight, you're actually on the same side. Cause like there is no side, you know, there's just like, that's why to me, why the planet is round. Cause there's just no sides. Cause we're just all on this planet together, you know? And, and for, for other people who are not like you, who are like you, who are, you know, different, whatever, um, to live a better life actually enhances your own life, you know? Um, but it's hard as human beings, I think, but specifically as American human beings to believe that to be true, because we each feel that like in the Declaration of Independence, that that thing is talking to me, not to us, even though it starts with we, you know? And so like to look back at this 200 year old document and look at the historical framing of it, then that there were enslaved people who were not included in we and you know, men is not necessarily inclusive of everybody. Like, even if it was intended to, it's like, what does that mean today? You know, and for me today, that means that we, the people of the United States is everybody, you know, and therefore everybody's in it and there's no sides. There's no top, there's no bottom, you know? We we talked about this, I believe last time a little bit about the, the idea of like getting, getting offended about, Colin Kaepernick or mm. Megan Rapino not standing for the anthem and and it I, like I don't I, I don't get this like I just don't take like offense to that but mm-hmm. where it, it, it does make me uncomfortable but the reason it makes me uncomfortable is because it's it's it is it's it sucks to because you look at that and you're like man like I wish like I wish we we could be the country that like they could take pride in and that and want to stand. And, and that's the part that, that hurts. And I wish we could like have that kind of reaction of like, let's be better. So instead of, instead of kind of this, like, like North Korean approach of like, right, don't do that. Else. Yeah. Right. It's well, it's asking, why is this person doing that? Yeah. And there's a very clear reason, you know, then the answer is police brutality. Okay. Let's take a look at it. What's wrong, you know, and then mm-hmm. being open to the discomfort of finding out, you know, every day something else, you know, no matter how much you thought you knew about it, um, just even more, you know, just unfolding like every day. Um, and, and I think that's why the the Native American conversation is so uncomfortable because that really gets into like the kind of like dual original sins of, of our absolutely. country. Right. And dual, dual meaning the other one being slavery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, Genocide and slavery. <laughs> it, when you look at it, it go like it, it. It's un. It's very uncomfortable to deal with. When I like mm-hmm. when you look at like the things that like these are what like the American ideals like when we are at our best. We you just can't reconcile those, and yeah. and and it went on for a long time, and it it continues to this day. I mean the like one of the best examples. Uh, like that really captures it is was earlier today 
like, I, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, the Supreme Court ruling about the reservation in Oklahoma. I did see that, actually. And Ted Cruz had a response about it it being a, like, like the liberal Supreme Court is giving away half of Oklahoma. It's not a liberal and, Supreme Court. And, and, <laughs> and first of all, it's like, well, like, let's like, let's like talk about what they said. But the, the, what they, what they actually said is like more like, this is, I'm going to paraphrase in that like, yeah. we're going to do something we've rarely done before and actually held the federal government to its word when dealing right. with, and, the, and by word, because like, there are actual treaties signed. Yes. All of these things, every, every Mount Rushmore and the sixth grandfather, it's all treaties where like it, and it starts to all fall apart when, because the same people who are out, you know, outraged at the outrage and like, this isn't a problem and all that stuff. It's like, you're also the law and order crowd who like believe, well, why don't you just follow the rules? And like, all of that is based on treaties that we signed with native people and then immediately tore up and went right back on. You know, so yeah, like the, it just the, completely falls apart because it's about trust and, and empathy and understanding somebody else. When I see a police officer kneeling on the neck of some white collar criminal, like an accountant who fudged the books. Right. Like- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Like, then we can talk about that, like the law and order, like get the hell out of here with that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's like, just not, it's, it's, it's all, it, the whole thing is made of straw, you know, like it's not even straw, man. it's just like the whole, the whole thing is made of straw. Um, but let's talk about baseball coming back because I know, yeah. you know, we talking about like a baseball team changing their name, huge news, but, um, it's been huge news all summer, basically, whether or not we were going to have baseball, like Rob Manfred saying one day we'll absolutely have it. And then the next day it's seeming like we're not going to have it. And now we have it. And now, 66 players have tested positive. Also players are testing positive and then testing negative the next day. Tests are being like held up at airports. What are your thoughts on baseball coming back? Like, how do you feel about it? Like what's your general, general feeling of baseball in COVID? It is concerning to me. I don't, I don't think I ever kind of bought the idea. And this is, this is probably, some would argue a little too cynical of a view. I, I think it comes from kind of seeing how the sausage is made a few too many times. Sure. Yeah. But I never really bought the idea of like major league baseball is going to be the institution that kind of sets the example and shows America how to do this safely and provides hope. And, and it's like, okay, well like one, you say that, but like, it's awfully convenient to kind of have your like business model be like, we're going to be the ones that continue to make money while, everything else around us is on fire 
Like that's, <laughs> right. that's convenient. Yeah. But beyond that, just this idea of like the more kind of with each successive data point, it was something like, well, they've talked to a lot of the politicians, but not the public health officials. And mm-hmm. like, we're gonna, we're gonna provide tests to the public. And it's like, well, it turns out like you can't figure out the testing for your own players and staff. So like, you, like that was their PR spin on on how not to pull resources from from issues of public health, and then you see where they're getting exemptions from like legitimately like instituted public health mandates, whether it's the travel across the the border with Canada or going to uh, like like players coming to the, the tri-state area in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and not having to quarantine. And it's like, look, like, this is not a, like, we're giving these teams special treatment, like, make them earn it, like, make oh, yeah. them earn it. And like, like, we, tr- again, like, we treat them like a, they, like, they call themselves civic institutions and, and want to act like they're more than just a privately owned business, but don't want to be like, really taken to task for that. Absolutely. And they they just, the, they, that, they seem to operate, especially within what you just described in the same way that like, just, and they are, they're just corporations, you know? Oh, of course. And this is, <laughs> this is like a particularly like really dystopian manifestation of that where we don't, there's a lot that we don't know. And this is like, it, it's troubling to see yeah. like this kind of cavalier attitude about it you don't between like the so many people kind of immediately assuming like, well, these are like the youngest and healthiest people. And it's like, well, like, first of all, like, like that, that is a very narrow view. And there's, there's a lot of caveats in there. A lot of caveats. And we also like very recently, there's like a new, a, a new version of the virus that is like, everybody's susceptible, susceptible to beyond that. What I've tried to, to explain to, to people is that like take like myself and, and, uh, and a professional athlete of like similar demographic and like what might be not really a big issue and, and just maybe quality of life for, for me might be a career ender for them because we, they are reliant on their bodies to compete at, at a, an elite level where the margins are just razor thin for, for competitions. And like, so uh, like and and even getting to that point we were just talking about like the the athletic performance of it is is fairly callous in the first place but we're, we've had like legitimate media personalities talking about like oh we're should teams get like like intentionally like infect their people so they're in a better position for the playoffs runs it's and insanity. the fact that, like, that when that is what comes to mind it's like you know like my level of confidence that this is going to be executed like re- in a remotely responsible way is is approximately zero yes and i mean the <laughs> Just in thinking about this, with the amount of time that they had to do all the sort of like back and forth talking, which, you know, the leaking through the press and all of that stuff, which just diminished my faith in the institution of baseball even more. Because, like, I say this as a fan of baseball, like, I love it and I'm just horrified that it's coming back because, like, they had all this time. They had all this time to be preparing to like be pulling these resources to get them ready. Just like we as a government, as a federal government 
had all this time, you know, to be investing in the CDC and then the like, you know, the the thing that uh, this administration like cut the fine funding to like we had the time like I understand that this virus outbreak and this pandemic is like, you know, unpredictable and everybody's dealing with it. But we had the time. It's just the willingness to put money into something that doesn't turn a profit, you know, <laughs> doesn't turn a profit, period, um, and only protects people. And they but specifically in baseball, while they were talking about is it going to be 70 games, 60 games, blah, 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 all this back and forth, like they could have been f- securing the right amount of testing and securing that, you know, like the, all those logistics, because I know that they have the resources to do it, but they didn't. It's very well, it, obvious to me that the, that none of these teams did, that Major League Baseball didn't say, all right, this is how it's going to go, and every team is following this. It's like, no, you guys are all your own companies, and you guys get to take care of it, and then it just opens more doors for things to not, just not be planned out, to just what, not be done. What it struck, really struck me was, like, early on, you talk, like a lot of people were talking about the kind of logistical complexity of this and saying it's, it's going to be like this, like, Plan, the, the the planning a military operation analogy got thrown around a lot. <laughs> and it was thrown a lot by a lot of people who have never planned a military operation. Never, yeah. And, but it, it's actually a, a, a really insightful comparison to, to show kind of like the, the shortcomings here. And if you look at it of like, what, like, what are you trying to accomplish and, and how are you going to do that? And what it, when you start looking at it from that framework of, of like, what's the mission here? It really seems like, like if the mission were to like execute a season to, to whatever degree that is possible and in a safe manner, it, there's going to be like more than like, let's like get somebody that like didn't go to Harvard law sitting in the room and like planning this out. Right. Let's like get some like public health officials. And yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Somebody that went to Harvard medical. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, like somebody that's that 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 is of importance to them as opposed to the bottom like, line. Well, it's like we need some people other than like lawyers and spokesmen in the room to, to handle this. And then beyond that, like what like the one thing that they like you put together this like insanely detailed package of of health protocols and conspicuously absent is the idea of like the one question that really like everyone had going into it is like, what do you do if there's an outbreak on? on a team and what the, what is your abort criteria? Like that's the kind of a question of mm-hmm. like, like when, when, when is enough or like, when are you going to pull the plug on this? And, and if you, they, they don't answer that, they, they don't address the, the question at all. And, and there's, that's like very deliberate and intentional because like what that, what, what they would do is they, they don't want to set goalposts that then they'd have to move. And right. I mean, they've already, they've already done that is if you would have looked, look back at what people were talking about back in March when the seasons were postponed and then look at the point that we're at now, it would have been an insanity to, to open up, but that's what it's kind of, that's not the sports leagues aren't, aren't unique in that they're unique in the kind of the exemptions and privileges they've received from government to do so. But the government's did the same thing. And that kind of gives gives license to bad actors of where, I mean, one of the early we, we had these benchmarks for like, Hey, these are, these are what we need to accomplish for, for each and every state. I think it was like a, a four part benchmark and there are going to be different phases of it and nobody met it. And we just decided we didn't care anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like it also that that knowing that about the you know, the plan and not having the threshold plan of like, oh, well, this is when we have to pull the plug. It reminds me a lot of the conversation we just had about changing the name of a baseball team. It's like if you admit potential guilt, then you've admitted guilt and you're not, you know, it's like it's the insurance com- conversation. Like you can't say I'm sorry because if you say I'm sorry, then then you're responsible. You know, and I feel like that has been the methodology going in from at least baseball, because that's really the only one I'm paying attention to, which is like if we admit that there's a pandemic and we admit that there's a potential for outbreak or for this not working, then we can't do it. And so we're not going to do that. And that's where you see a lot of the I think a lot of the conversation folks are focuses around uh, this idea of like like individual culpability and and. I think uh, like there is a very genuine part of that where like, like acting like your individual responsibility is like in this kind of pandemic, like it affects other people in a, in a profound manner, but it, there's also an element of, of kind of blame shifting that comes with that of where like in, in unwillingness to accept, like, like I can, if, if everyone goes, does like everything that I say to a hundred percent effectiveness, and nothing ever goes wrong, then like, maybe it'll be okay. And it's like, that's not a real plan. That no. is just like, like, like something is going to go wrong. That's why, like, why it is a pandemic. And like, we can't control this and, and not like de- deliberately not planning for that is, is planning for there to be a failure. Absolutely. And I mean, it's baseball. Everything fails, you know, like you can't, you can't plan a baseball game, assuming that it's going to, every game is going to be a perfect game. You know, we're yeah, talking, no. we're talking about a game, you know, and like the pandemic is at, you know, worst and best a game. Like you have, it has to be gamed out. We have to think of scenarios, potential, every potential scenario, you know, and it's just not, it doesn't, it just, but <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's all about just getting it done. It's not about, should we do this? It's like, we're just going to do it. It's not even about, could we do this? It's like, we're just going to do what we want to do. It's pretty uh, wild to me that they didn't, like like you said, about gaming this out and figuring it out of like, th- there's going to be unforeseen things that are obvious, but you should also, part of your job is to try to surface those. Absolutely. And, and figure out what that is. And uh, it really struck me as like fairly like amateurish, at, if not like, I'd say the most generous description is, is incompetent (laughs) when the fact that they didn't really like, I mean, in, in military planning, we would call these like doing like rehearsals or dress rehearsals of like, you can do them on, on paper. You can like actually do them operationally of, or like do a dry fire where where it's, you're not actually shooting the, the weapons, but you're running through the whole like operation otherwise of where they, it's like, we're going to get everybody in place at their, their cities here and then start to figure out how these tests are going to work. It's right. like, you, why didn't you do that before? And, and, and then address the failures and mitigate them prior to that. And I think it's, I think the real answer is probably because like we, we wanted to get everyone here. So like get enough inertia. So then it was too hard to stop the train that was already on the tracks. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's all about just like getting it I mean, pitchers throw sim games for a reason, you know, they don't just like only warm up for their start. Like it's you, you have to game out like every scenario. And it's, I also, it's just striking me to be like, well, what if this was a military medical operation, you know, instead of like, we, we need to attack the thing 
and just like corner it and put it down. It's like, how do you, how does like a military medical operation approach a situation like this would probably be the better, the better approach to baseball and their like mission of, because I think that's what's, it's a medical operation. This whole but if thing- you talk about it like that, think about what immediately happens. So you throw out, you say like the first part of doing that is like, you're saying, okay, well, like what's my mission. And then you start to like strip away the extraneous things that are going to get yep. in the way of accomplishing yep. that. But that's the exact. Op- so like the first thing that comes to mind is like within two days of signing that deal, you had owners talk about, with a lot of optimism about having fans in the stadium. Of course. Right. And it's like, well, that's like, like, it sounds to me like your mission is to like make money, like regardless of whether you get people killed or not. Absolutely. And that's the, that's kind of the, like, I, I this is going to sound like, like extreme. And, and I, I don't mean it literally, but I think it is like a good thought exercise of like, it, like somebody should like hold those like owners feet to the fire and ask them like, Hey, like, if you open up your stadium and like, like knowing what's going on and have, have like an outbreak that we can contact trace, like, like to your stadium and people die as a result. Like if, if, if that's the case and like, as a consequence, we like lined you up against the wall and shot you, would you still want to do the same thing? <laughs> right. Right. And, the, and the answer I, and, would probably and, be no, but that's not because like that, that's the thing is like the con we don't, there are not consequences mm-hmm. for corporate failure at that level. And I'm not advocating necessarily for those being the consequences that you just laid out, but there aren't consequences. Like they know they can get away with it. And especially baseball because they don't have, you know, the monopoly that they're out of the monopoly. So they, I think, you know, like you said, they signed the deal and then they're immediately talking about fans in the stadium. It's like, it's like, are you nuts? (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're absolutely nuts. You're going to add something to your ticket that says we, we are not liable for COVID related. You know, like I know that that's the case. I actually saw somebody, uh, I'll, they'll remain anonymous. Like I, they received a leaked like internal dolphins document that was essentially that. Like the last, there was one last page that just said like, no liability for anything like that. And I mean, you go to a baseball stadium, assuming some risk there's flying baseballs, but we're putting up nets. This is like the nets. Like it's, it's like the nets. It's like, if you had, if, if they actually were liable for the nets, that would have gotten fixed 20 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, but it's all, and you know, the, the, I would imagine that many of the people arguing to keep the baseball team the same way are the same people who are like, oh, what a bunch of babies, like you n- catch the ball or whatever. It's like, sure. Yeah. That was the case when, you know, people were getting concussions left and right. And like, wh- why do you want people to be at risk? Like How I just toddlers need to break their skulls for the, to change. Absolutely. Your <laughs> How many people need to, it's such a, it's such a ghoulish view that we have currently as a country that like we just absorb death and like i i really i guess i was very fooled (laughs) i thought this country was about you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness which you can't do if you're dead you know (laughs) like you just can't and i like want more people to have that opportunity and it's just it's just astounding to me and i'm like watching these men coming to the practice and a lot of them are wearing masks a lot of them are wearing them while they're practicing but I see a lot of them taking them off because they're like, well, I'm outside and, you know, and, and then the belief is like, well, that guy doesn't have it, but you don't know that, you know, like I have my own baseball league. We've had to have these conversations about like, do we want to be responsible for bringing people to a place where they could spread this disease and then spread it to somebody else and possibly kill themselves or other people? And it's like, no, 
it's just not worth it to me. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's just, it just gets to the point of like, where the, the, one of the first conversations you, they need to have is this idea of like, what's, when are you going to pull the plug on this? And like, when right. is enough enough? And, and really in terms of just like the value of like human life and well being, mm-hmm. And then beyond that, just from like, like, it, it's hard to not get a sense that like, at what point is this like, just too dystopian for you to, to draw there. That's in my opinion, that's actually going to be the, one of the unforeseen consequences for them is there, there will be some fun aspects of it. Uh, that's a little bit different and people will kind of figure it out and improvise. Like the players are good at that. And, and, yep. and that happens. I think there's an, there are, there's a significant chance that when this gets started and you're looking at kind of like dead empty stadiums, people are going to go like, What are we doing? A lot of fun about this. Yeah. And I really, I I mean, I hope that this is not the case, but I feel like you're saying like, when are you going to pull the plug? And it's like, I hope that the answer to that question is not a player dying from this virus, you know, like a manager or a trainer or, you know, like, but ultimately I think it's a manager or a player getting this and having like serious complications or, you know, or fatal ones. And yeah, I, and I, I that they'd act like totally surprised that like, like who could have possibly foreseen in a pandemic that somebody who could have possibly seen this. And then, you know, we'll have like, you know, if five years from now we'll have the remembrance day for that person and then they'll all wear jerseys. And it's like, mm-hmm. I can just see it. I can just see it. And it's like, it's just, it's really sad. And, but to me, the, the silver lining of this is like, actually removing myself even more from the sort of like corporatized, like capitalist version of baseball and realizing like they don't own it, you know, (laughs) like they just don't like they want to, but they don't own the concept of baseball. You know, the game of baseball cannot be owned. That's the the kind of, I think like grand theme that I've been thinking about the lot, like with all these problems in, in baseball, the last year that have kind of, manifested themselves in like extreme like may have already been there but they've they've really come out in like an extreme degree and i think that's you're seeing like a confluence of a of a lot of symptoms of the same underlying disease and and whether it's the astros and and many Mm. other teams that were not caught cheating right um whether it's like the just like like insane like let's eliminate a quarter of the minor leagues as a appetizer for eliminating the rest of them so we can save like a a very minimal amount of money and like and and pad our margins like a tiny bit or how they're how they're handling how they handle the negotiations during with with mlbpa during this it's it's what you see is just like this idea of like there were like they had these special treatments like legally and politically for, for a very long time. Like, what do you expect to happen when you get, like, if you give a monopoly this unique power and they have no oversight, nobody else is treated like this anywhere. And, and, and you say like, like, what were you just like hoping that they would show some restraint? Cause at some point you get some jackass like Rob Manfred in charge who's just shameless. And this is exactly what you'd expect. Oh yeah. It's just, uh, absolutely rampant corporatism and it, and it makes complete sense to me. And I just had this thought when you said this about the minor leagues, how I realized because the alternative that was proposed and I'm assuming is 
even more so ago because due to the pandemic, the minor leagues have just been decimated. Um, that 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 sort of like Lunau Texas method, the Houston method, or whatever that they want to create, which is essentially just like actual warehouses of affluent athletes, you know, like uh, only the best of the best quote, you know, in terms of data. And to me, it's like, I just realized this, that it's like decimating the working class aspect of baseball, like getting rid of the, 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 because the minor leagues is just all about labor. I mean, it's just not, there's, you you don't have big contracts. People are making weekly salaries and it's just funneling everything into one corporation's idea of what baseball should be. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's one of the aspects of it that's been like so fascinating to me is like, I, I didn't, did not grow up as, as like this massively like pro pro union with these pro union views. I mean, like I went to Wharton, you certainly are, are kind of, if anything, indoctrinated the other way. Of course. And, but Having seen it in baseball, like I, you just can't come to any other conclusion of like, look at what happens if you, when, when you allow these situations to exist and there is, it's like, in, it's not a real, like, it's a, it's an economy that's isolated in a vacuum from, from kind of the rest of the world. And, and they can pay people what they choose to pay people, not like there's zero power to negotiate and mm-hmm. they have no rights and, and no recourse in like you you can't use like the legal system. There's, there's really no options to, to, to fight anything that is like an injustice or, or even a legal violation, frankly, you see what happens. And then that, that kind of opens your eyes to like how these things, like, wow, these things actually do exist in the broader world as well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, baseball is like a perfect microcosm of everything else. It's just everything else has a little bit of oversight. (laughs) It's fascinating to me to see that like, it's like, it's been really, I'm confused by it. As you see these, it seems to be like the kind of online base, the, the left of the baseball commentators who, uh-huh. who are like support the minor leaguers. And, and you, and even this probably six months ago is when, when you started seeing like, I think, and I think this was just like an uneducated response to like Bernie Sanders started supporting the, the minor league side of things. Yep. And so you saw a lot of conservative people on economic grounds like talk about oh government shouldn't interfere in business and and governments like this is socialism and it's and it's like well let's like let's talk about that for a second because like is it not socialism when like whenever like you like I think it was Ben Shapiro who said that of, uh-huh. of all people and of, it's like of all people like, hey Ben like as a matter of fact like when you like have these prospects and we pay them a set amount no matter how good they are or not like how, however they perform, like they all make the exact same amount of money and it's no matter, like regardless of performance and it's whatever the team chooses to pay them. And it happens to be next to nothing. Like, does that, that actually sounds like something Socialism. you would argue against. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's definitely not free capitalism for sure. No, And, it's, and I but, mean, even, even Elizabeth Warren was speaking out about the minor leagues too. So, I mean, I just say that to be like, it's, and she's like, you know, a proud capitalist. So it's like, it's all the things, you know, it's and, and always all is, the things. I actually put this firmly on like Congress created this. Yes. They need to fix it. Absolutely. And they, like I, I have like pretty strong feelings about that in the sense that if you guys care enough about baseball as a, as a national institution and that you want to grant it these special privileges that like put your money where your mouth is. And you guys have said for decades 
Like, like there's, there's been dozens upon dozens of hearings over the years where they said, like when they'll, they'll threaten them with the antitrust exemption, they'll threaten them that if, if you don't have an independent commissioner that's acting in the best interest of baseball, like, like we're going to do something about it. And it's like, guess what? Like they're Time basically to do it. There giving you the <laughs> double middle finger, daring you to do something. So do it. Absolutely. I mean, it's ironic that it's called antitrust because there's yeah. there. <laughs> well, Nick, this has been a great conversation. I want to ask you one last thing, which is yeah. like, what is giving you hope right now? Like, what is what is because I, I don't think this was a super yeah. cynical conversation. I think this was a great yeah. conversation. However, I think it's also really important to look at like like what what and it can be personal. It doesn't have to be like you know, cultural or anything, but like, what is, what is giving you like life or like energy right now? Like what's keeping your spirits up? I've enjoyed seeing, seeing like there, there's a segment of the population that I think is, and my, myself included where, where I think there is like a genuine openness to, to see things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And that, that like, this is a, we are at like one of those cool kind of like, inflection points and and even though like there's there's like at an institutional level there's discomfort with that at a personal level there's discomfort for that there's also something like fun and exciting about that too absolutely like we're this is a really important moment in history and like what you say matters what you do matters and and in a like in a consequential way like this like this it's easy to be fatalistic about things, but this mm-hmm. is like what we're, what happens now is going to shape the future. And that it's hard to not be excited about that. And you, you can kind of see, see that in a lot of, a lot, like some people will have the, the kind of, I'm going to retreat from the discussions because I don't want to be canceled. And <laughs> sure. you see other, other people like actually like, like trying to say the right thing because they're afraid to say otherwise. And then you see some people like really like earnestly trying to do better. And, and that's a good, that's a really good thing. And, and I think that's, that's something to, to celebrate and, and is a, is a positive sign going forward. And, and we, we don't always, it, it doesn't always feel like you're in those inflection points. Sometimes it does feel like it takes something like significant for, for there to be consequences like this. Absolutely. It and always, what, I mean, nothing has happened through like, great times when everybody's been good because number one not everybody's nobody's ever always been good you know and like it does I think it's important to remain excited right now and to like to cultivate that because I think it's easy especially for for me as like a white person to be like oh I shouldn't be and I gotta be and it's like I'm not you know I'm not like banging people over the head with it and I'm not I don't like have my head in the clouds it's just like this is important. It's, it's important. And like, what an honor to be alive right now. You know, what an you know, honor the, to be a part of this. The police brutality aspect. Cause I know you've talked about that a ton. And I think that's like a conversation where, where a lot of like, initially it was, there was like a, a lot of like white people specifically are probably like, you know, like I, I like at best I'll listen here and, and I don't really I haven't experienced it. And then like, I think everyone in this country observed police brutality on a, like a massive scale. Like mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was shocking to see like the level of just like, 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 are you guys like a crime syndicate? Like, what are you doing yeah, here? I mean, pretty like much. The, I mean, it was, it was out, outlandish. And I mean, these are like, it, it's, I, I, there's, 
no, I mean, it, it, if that doesn't shake your worldview mm-hmm. of into like, like, wow, like I turned on the TV and I saw the police commit a hundred crimes today. Yes. Like, like I, it's, it, like, there's, you can't deny what you're seeing. So I think that brought a lot of people into the conversation that probably wouldn't have otherwise, otherwise been there. Absolutely. I and mean, then you, you start to say like, wow, like this is what they're doing when the cell phones and cameras are on them. Like, what do you think they're doing when they have like, like a black teenager around in the dark alley and nobody's paying attention and nobody's there. Yeah. If this is what they're willing to do in broad daylight while CNN is filming them, then like, yes, imagine what they're doing when we're not paying attention and we haven't been paying attention and now we are. And, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say like it's exciting within the context of that, but it's like, it took, it always takes a, a spark. Like it always takes something. And like, I, it 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 is a uh, to me like a major tectonic shift that's happening right now, and it doesn't happen overnight. But like you're saying, these changes can happen quickly. They but it's it's all of them happening all the time, and it can feel exhausting. But I I I'm actually like energized by the amount of opportunities I'm given to change. You know, on a daily basis, and it's like it's a lot of work, and it it you know you're like growth spurts are painful, but it's consistent and it's already like like you said so many more people are paying attention than they were before and i know a lot of people are like angered by that and resentful by that because they've been working on these things for so long um and so i just find you know my places to to like take that in and go like okay i'll try to i'll try to remove some of that burden for you and shoulder some of that as opposed to like you know just just listening all the time and like beating a drum you know whatever it's like Yeah, I can listen and I can educate myself. And then there's a time where I got to take action, you know? So it's like basically with any, it's, it's just, it's happening all the time. You know, if you cultivate it as a practice, then, you know, I, I said the other day, like justice is not a theory. You have to live it. And it's like, it's, it, and that's a quote of many things, but like you have to do it. You know, it's like the, the name change. It's like, great. I'm glad that it's, it's a major thing that they're saying this out loud major thing celebrating a little bit and now okay what's the action that you're gonna take you know it reminds um, me of and this is kind of a good kind of broader point to to wrap up on it but it apply it, it came up during the conversations i had with the with with people about the about the name for, for the baseball teams is, is that when you like it's if you're gonna just like be superficial about it and like kind of like relent to change begrudgingly under pressure like because you're at this point you you finally looked up and saw what was happening in the country and now you're at the point where you don't want somebody to light your baseball stadium on fire <laughs> like think about the message that sends is like like you ignored people for so long they talked to you they protested yep. like they you didn't listen and like now you're at the point of like we're trying to do this like hastily put together season and i don't want people throwing molotov cocktails into into progressive right. field like if that like not the right message that you want to send. Like you might want to listen a little earlier. Yeah. You might want to like, yeah, listen to people. It's not the people setting the fires that are the problem. (laughs) You know, it just really isn't. Um, Nick, I've had such a great time talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been so wonderful. And like, uh, where can people find you if they want to get more Uh, into what you're doing? I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's at Nick Francona. You people Mm -hmm. can, feel free to reach out to me there and, and say hello. And uh, thank you for having me on here. And, and 
obviously not surprising. I had a blast. And, uh, <laughs> Great. Me we'll too. It, we got to do it again sometime. Yeah, I would love to do it again. I feel like we're going to have plenty of time to check back in about what's going on in yeah. baseball and the world. So thanks again, Nick. It was great to talk to you. Keep doing keep doing your good stuff out there. Yeah, you too, Nick. Keep up the good fight, you know? What a great interview with Nick. It's always so great to have him on. Um, I hope you liked it as much as I did. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend, you know, be kind, wear a mask. Do the right thing. Wash your hands. Um, and as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.